think about who the people are and is it really a good fit? They might be nice people, but are they really going to work with you? Are they going to be the right partner in the long term? Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, I'm excited to introduce you to our newest host that we're bringing on to the team. His name is Slocum Reed, along with myself and Ash. Slocum will be providing value to every interview he does. I've known Slocum for years, and I've watched his portfolio continue to grow. He currently owns and operates 65 units, including converting three units into an office building. So he's an owner-operator. He's coming from certainly a different perspective than I have. I know he's going to bring his expertise and cut through the fluff and get the best real estate investing advice ever for you. So welcome, Slocum Reed. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. And today we have John Totterud with us. John, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you, Slocum. John is the founder of Cardinal Oak Investments, which buys multifamily properties in growing markets with cash flow and limited competition for deals. They work with partners to help them manage the asset, fund the equity, maintain the books, and communicate with investors. In John's current portfolio, he has a 96 unit in Tulsa, Oklahoma as the GP. He's in a couple investments as LP. He recently sold two properties, one in Greenville, South Carolina, and one in Washington State. He's doing a 1031 exchange from a 15 unit in Yakima. Is it Yakima, Washington? Yakima. Yakima. And he's buying a 40 unit in Kansas City with those funds. John is based in Renton, Washington. So John, I don't normally think of Tulsa, Oklahoma, Kansas City, Greenville, South Carolina as markets with very little competition for deals. Have you found that the properties that you're offering on, there are not a lot of other bidders? Well, there's a couple of different aspects to that. One is certainly there is competition. There are people interested in those markets and that's what attracts me to them. They are not the high growth rocket ship markets like Dallas and Phoenix and Atlanta, Florida markets, those places. There are definitely competitors. I look for properties and look for broker relationships where my competition is not so high, where maybe I'm one of the first people that they call. It takes time to get there, but these markets are like that. A lot of other markets can be as well. The South Carolina markets, there's a lot of interest in Greenville, and I was super interested in the city of Greenville. This is actually about 45 minutes outside of Greenville, and a couple of brokers mentioned that this is a growing area and then saw this property come up, and it benefits from the growth of Greenville, but it's a little bit different of a market. The city of Anderson, definitely a growing market, but a little more rural. And for the other markets, Oklahoma City and Tulsa, um, they're awesome markets. A lot of people don't like them. They will talk down the markets because they're not, again, the high growth markets. There's competition there for sure, and it's getting better. I want to be in a market where there is a good opportunity to sell it, where when I'm getting ready to sell it, there are buyers. There are people interested in the market, and they can see the value. And for Kansas City, Kansas City is kind of a new market for me. The more I see it, the more I like it, though. And there's just a lot of growth that benefiting from people moving in from the coasts. And this particular area of Kansas City is 
a very clean and high growth and well-run part of the town. So I'm super excited about it. Nice. How long have you been a GP in syndicated apartment deals? About four years. I started about four years ago syndicating my first deal and came into it because I had properties of my own prior to that, smaller properties starting about 11 years ago and owned them and built them up, just did all the management and really a lot of the renovations at the beginning. It's good practice to get to know what the building systems are. really wasn't my experience or background and I could learn the processes of taking care of the units and finding new tenants and creating leases and talking to prospective tenants and knowing when it's time to raise the rents and all that stuff that you get good at by doing it on smaller properties and then gradually grew them. Had small properties, sold them off and could take the equity into slightly bigger properties. And through the course of that, I joined networking groups. I really wasn't setting out to syndicate or buy properties with a lot of other people, but I learned the process. I talked to people who were doing it and learned how interesting it was and found other people who wanted to join my deals and gradually grew into learning about syndications. Took the classes, a lot of training and education along the line and went to meetups and networking groups and talked to people. And and really that's why most of us get in or stay in real estate is because it's exciting and we meet interesting people. And along those lines, I decided, I mean, decision along the line that, hey, I can do this. I can learn what's needed to do it. I can develop the relationships needed to syndicate a property and let's get started. So I found properties and took one forward and was successful in our first venture. John, what has led you to choose the markets that you're currently invested in? You said they're not as hyper-competitive as some of the faster growing areas. They have good cash flow. What are your criteria for a market where you're looking for deals? I want the market to be a pretty good size. It doesn't have to be an enormous market like Houston or Dallas. I want to know that there's a lot of properties around and available. I want to know that I can sell it when we've achieved our goals. And I want to know that there's good growth. There's population growth, there's job growth, and that there are multifamily properties around in the area. Certain population levels, there's a lot of numbers you can use, 75,000, 100,000 people or so, but I look around for markets that are growing that way. Then you look at, or at least what I do is look at other things like crime statistics and how well is the city taken care of, what new and interesting things are they doing, and Tulsa incidentally has large benefactors that are putting down these $10,000 rewards for people to move there, entrepreneurs people who build a business. And that's awesome. If you're thinking of moving to a lower cost part of the country and you have that option, then choosing a place like this and benefiting like that, that's a great opportunity for someone who wants to move there. And it's a great opportunity for those of us who provide services like housing services to these people. So I look for markets where things like that are going on. I read the newspapers. I look for articles. I set Google alerts on When are jobs coming to an area? Businesses are moving like 100, 500 jobs to an area. And really, there are a lot of good market. I had to settle in on just a few because you can't spread yourself too thin. I've been in some other markets and I'm still interested. I broke relationships in other markets and I have a lot of interest. For example, I started off in the Southeast and that's how I happened to find the property outside of Greenville. And 
I love the Carolinas. I used to live back east and gorgeous areas is another criteria. I like to be able to visit the area and know that there's fun, interesting things in the area. I like the Carolinas, Georgia, even Tennessee, and found interesting prospects several years ago. For my work, at least, it became more competitive. I became interested in properties and talked to the brokers and put in offers. And there were maybe 20 offers on properties. And it was just difficult. I couldn't come close to cash flowing properties at the prices that they were paying. And so I had to make a decision and I moved off into these sort of the Southern Midwest markets from Arkansas, Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma, even Kentucky. Those are good areas. They have good markets in them, and that's mostly the areas that I focus in. We'll get back to the show in a few minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll get some value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference, February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. You can get 15% off right now with the code BEC15 at besteverconference.com. That's the code BEC15 for 15% off at besteverconference.com. It sounds like you partner with other GPs to help them take down deals and operate their business plans. Am I reading into that correctly? Yeah. Gotcha. How do those partnerships tend to take shape? I like to get to know them. I meet them initially at a lot of different conferences and I'll meet them locally at meetups and various events. I have opportunities to meet people and get to know them and they get to know me. And over time, if the relationship grows, and it doesn't always, it's not always a good fit, but if the relationship grows and we have things that we can mutually do for each other, if there's a benefit that I have something to offer them and they have something to offer me, then I continue the conversation and find out what they're looking for and what their ability to help in a potential deal is. So far, the deals that I've done are deals that I've sourced and I've found the partners. I'm not committed to doing that in the future. I want to work with other people and join a deal that maybe there's a couple good people together already. And maybe I have a skill that they don't have that I can offer them, but I would find them by talking to people in the industry. And I have a number of contacts and there are a number of people that I do have a good relationship with and I have not done a deal with yet. I'm anxious to, I want to grow the relationships and very strong, nice 
people that would be good to work with and we would all benefit from it. And I look forward to developing and growing those relationships. But you're right. It's a big thing. You have to think about who the people are and is it really a good fit? They might be nice people, but are they really going to work with you? Are they going to be the right partner in the long term? Tell us more about that, John. What is it that you're looking for in a partner when you're going to find and execute on an apartment opportunity? That's a great question because it wasn't always a consideration I gave a lot of thought to earlier on when I first started thinking about syndicating property and knowing that I really can't do this on my own. I look for people who have some experience. I'm glad to help and train people. And I've done that on a number of occasions just to kind of bring people along and show them why I think that multifamily real estate is so awesome. And I'm thoroughly glad to do that. I do like working with people who are more experienced than I am, who have other skills that they can bring. Men and women cross the board of all ages, and it's not necessarily a person that happens to live in the area where I'm investing. That's valuable, but it's not all that critical. I can easily get to the market. I look for people who have something that I need in particular. And those conversations, most of us are able to tell that fairly on. It's like a first conversation with a person. What do you do? Well, if they're describing me, then I'm sure it's a nice conversation and I'm glad I had it, but they're probably not a good fit for me for what I'm looking for. I'm looking for other things like, for example, my background is information technology, software development and running IT related businesses and working in that industry. It is not building systems. And I've banged a hammer and I can go down and to a unit that I own and do most of the fixes. But generally what I fix doesn't stay fixed. So I need to do that work. And likewise, for the larger system, I talk to people and there's so much knowledge about HVAC systems and roofing types and flooring types that I don't have. I've developed that and I'm a lot more knowledgeable over the last several years than I had been in the past, but a good asset manager, somebody who knows renovations and how to do the right types of fix-ups on a building is a valuable partner to me. Likewise, somebody who is more attentive to the accounting and bookkeeping pieces, I can do that. I have a mind for detail, but I like having somebody who can look at those things more diligently than I am and take care of a few things like that. I mean, I love talking to brokers. And so that's my strength. I'll get on the phone with them. And I have a lot of them that I talk to on a regular basis. And I maintain the relationships. And we'll get back to the show in a few minutes. But first, some sponsors, I'm confident you'll get some value in learning more about. How are you doing on your goals this year, whether it's planning for your goals, or whether it's executing on those goals? I imagine one of them has to do with financial freedom, taking control of your finances. And I can tell you that is a possibility with the next one to three years. Using a proven system created by my friend, Michael Blanc. He's got the program Deal Maker Mentoring. Here are some of his students who have been in the program and what they've accomplished. Melanie McDaniel, she closed her first 24-unit joint venture deal and is now pivoting to become full-time in the industry. Within five months of joining, Cheryl Groovy from Atlanta, she had a 34-unit deal under contract. And she partnered with two other dealmaker mentoring students, and together they raised $700,000. And Brian Briscoe, he said thanks to dealmaker mentoring, he had the opportunity to accelerate his timeline and go after much bigger deals than he would have on his own. If you are ready to commit to achieving your dreams this year and you've been thinking about getting into multifamily, well, text the word JOE to 66866. Again, that's the word JOE. 
You know how to spell my name, right? J-O-E-266-866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own syndication business. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success real estate and follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow Up Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. I would imagine you do talk to a whole lot of brokers with all of the markets that you're name dropping. In order to find good deals there, you've got to be in touch with so many different brokers in so many different cities. I get where you're coming from too, John. I'm not nearly as handy as I look. For those of you who are listening to this on the podcast, yes, I look like I would be handy. I'm great for demo. You need to take a wall out and haul the pieces away. I got you. But yeah, it's a blessing actually as an owner operator to not be handy because it frees up my time. I have to find somebody else to do that stuff. And so I don't get stuck in it. And the same thing with bookkeeping. I understand how it works. I can read the spreadsheets but filling them out, man, I had to get that delegated as well, which frees up my time to focus on the things that are more dollar productive for me that I'm better at, that I find more rewarding. So yeah, sure. I get that, John. You were just talking about building broker relationships. What else are you really good at? I'm good at the financial pieces, underwriting. I've done a lot of spreadsheet work. Given the fact that I've had a software development background, I can make spreadsheets do a lot more than most people can. And I use a lot of the programming tools in back of a spreadsheet. And I have underwriting templates that have evolved over the years that give me good information pretty quickly. And so I can take what the broker is providing. And it's not just knowing, does this expense amount for given expense category make sense or not? I mean, certainly that's valuable too but being able to move it through the process quickly and come to a decision quickly. And so I'm good with the underwriting part of it. I talk to the brokers, I get deals sent to me, and I can tell pretty quickly if it's worth pursuing or not. Those are probably the two things that I do the best. Staying with the deal long-term is something I'm passionate about also. And staying on the calls with the property manager and being sure that our goals are being met and that they understand what we're saying. 
those are things that I'm totally obsessed with is making sure that we are on track, that whatever business goals we had and so staying with it, even if I'm not saying here's how we should renovate this unit coming up, or if we have some folks who are good at the lender relationships, like for example, one of our loans is a bridge loan and we have draws that we take for renovations and keeping track of that. One of our partners on a deal is awesome at doing that. So I'm thoroughly glad that we've got those skills in the team and I can track it and ask questions and understand things, but I'm glad that we've got somebody really doing that piece of it. John, are you ready for our best ever lightning round? Sure. (laughs) What is your best ever way to give back? Well, a close friend of mine, he'd been dedicating his life to a local charity that benefits young women and children who found themselves with nothing. Maybe they have a baby or small children that they're responsible for, or maybe they came from an abusive relationship or any of a number of hundred different reasons. The charity is step-by-step in our local area, and they've been an extraordinary success turning these young lives around. I like to support them. I've also been heavily involved in scouting and working with groups supporting the local food banks and want to continue doing that. Nice. What is the best ever book you've recently read? Well, it is a book that was sort of a documentary. It's called Killers of the Flower Moon. It is to be made into a movie, and I'm not sure if the movie is out yet, with Robert De Niro and Sharon Stone and a couple other people. But anyway, it's based in the Northeast Tulsa area, and I first heard about it when I was looking at a Tulsa property about a year and a half ago, and one of the brokers recommended it. said, if you want to learn about this area, read this book. And so the book is about the Osage Indians and the history of the U.S. and and the Indian community is not a very good part of the part of the U.S. history and and how the Osage Indians were moved to different parts and settled in northeast Oklahoma and late 1800s and then early 1900s found themselves living on top of huge reserves of oil and suddenly they're oil rich and how they were taken advantage of and a lot of ugly events took place at the time and and um and a lot of um, killings and it was just a long story and then the fbi came in or it wasn't the fbi yet it was j Edgar hoover and it was some people out of the federal government came in to investigate crimes and that was the beginning of the fbi fascinating book but it was a history did, of this- did you find that it uh informed your investing in tulsa it did and in fact it took place in this small town called Pawhuska. It's really the county seat of Osage County, north of Tulsa. Do you own property in that part of Tulsa? No, I own property right in the Midtown area. But my wife and I came in to the inspection last spring, and she said, well, we have to go to Pawhuska. And I said, why? And she said, well, that's where the Pioneer Woman is. John, what's the most money you've lost on a deal? All my deals have fortunately done pretty well. I've not lost deals. What's the most money you've made on a deal then? Well, most recently, doing this 1031 exchange out of a 15-unit, Got over six years, it turned about 5x on the investment. Wow. So pulled out around 850 or so that we're taking into the next deal. John, where can people get in touch with you? Best way to contact me is by email, john, J-O-H-N, at cardinaloak.com, C-A-R-D-I-N-A-L-O-A-K.com. Awesome. Well, John, thank you for sharing with our best ever listeners and best ever listeners, Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, 
please be sure to leave us a five-star review and share it with someone you think could benefit from the best real estate investing advice ever. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss anything. Thank you and have a best ever day.